Welcome back to another episode of The Wild Feather, where we explore stories and journeys and passions of remarkable female founders and investors making a difference. I'm your host, Brooke Dunwell, and today we have an inspiring guest joining us, Alina Furman, who is a powerhouse entrepreneur, best-selling author, and certified infant massage instructor who's on a mission to strengthen the bonds between parents and their babies through the magic of touch. Alina's journey from a successful career in writing and marketing to becoming the founder of Call Me, the world's first baby massager, is nothing short of incredible. Whether you're a parent looking to strengthen your bond with your little one or an entrepreneur seeking to create products that make a positive impact, Alina Furman's story and insights that she shares are inspiring, and it's so interesting to hear how her career has uh, morphed and changed and pivoted throughout the years. So grab a seat, tune in, and get ready to embark on Alina Furman's journey with us on The Wild Feather. supported by Masami. Masami is clean premium hair care with a Japanese ocean botanical for weightless hydration and shine. We love their products in my house. My daughter has really thick long hair and I have really fine thin hair and we both love the Masami shampoo and conditioner. Masami is vegan, cruelty-free, non-toxic, clean, gender neutral and works for every hair type and texture, whether straight or curly. Their products clean and moisturize their hair all at once. They've received several awards for their products and after using them, you will look like you just walked out of the salon. They're eco-friendly, sustainable, vegan, plant-based, and the company is woman-owned. For 15% off, go to Love Masami. That's L-O-V-E-M-A-S-A-M-I.com backslash the Wild Feather Podcast and enter the Wild Feather Podcast in the coupon code for 15% off your entire order. Elena, I'm super excited that you are here and joining us, and I'm excited to hear about your founder journey. Yeah, yeah, it's been quite a journey. <laughs> yeah, I will just <laughs> tell us how you got started. How did you become? So you were in marketing, and you yeah. were a writer, right? So well, how did yeah. you morph yeah. over into being a founder? Yeah. So I, I mean, I grew up in a Kiev, Ukraine originally, and I moved, I mean, not grow up. I grew up in the U S I was seven when I moved, but I was always very entrepreneurial when, even when I was younger. And, um, I've had, so I started writing books right after college because I just refused to work. You know, I had jobs here and there, but it, they were terrible. <laughs> I, I was working for like, just writing about office furniture. If there's not, anything worse than actually being in an office and 
you know, sitting on office furniture, it's writing about office furniture. So um, I was just like, I don't know if that's for me. So I started, I, I wrote my first book. I had it published. It was how to survive life after college. And then I moved, I made, turned that into a business and I just wrote with my sister, we wrote books and books and books after books because we just loved being home and not not having a boss. So, um, and then eventually, like, I had to go back to work and I was in magazines and media. So, but I took all that knowledge that I had and I created my first company, which was um, a, a, web, a website for an email for high kind of like high stylish moms, high income moms. And we had a hundred thousand subscribers. And then I had another startup, um, which was a, a Lego subscription company that I partnered with on someone and we had VC backing and all that, but, uh, that didn't work out great either. And then I became, I used all my marketing experience and started marketing baby brands because of all my uh, experience writing about baby products. And so I launched uh, one company in the U.S. and they went on to scale to, I, I was their first employee and I um, stayed with them for a long time to, to until they were 35 million. And we just, oh, wow. Super lean. Um, yeah. And so then all these other baby brands came along and wanted me to work for them because they were like, well, we want to be just like this company. So I was basically just working by myself, like acting as a CMO for like five different baby brands at the same time with just like maybe two part-time helpers. And that was a lot. And that was like my agency. And then I burnt out completely and I shut it down yeah. just in one day. I was like, I'm shutting down. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, and I was like, I'm going to take a sabbatical. And then the pandemic hit. And then I was just like, wow, my kids are home all the time. All of a sudden the sabbatical has turned into, you know, something very different. Um, cause now the world was on sabbatical in a way. Um, and I really just wanted it to be me, me, me. So ever the world can continue and I could sit at home, but, and figure out my next step. But I really didn't, um, have that energy and time because we were just all just cramped, you know, just together all the time. And I had to maintain a lot of, uh, plates spinning in the air. And then I, about two years later, I really started losing it in the sense that I just, I realized I can't just be idle. Like I, even if I plan things and I'm one of those, some people are great at doing nothing. And, um, and I'm pretty good at it for like, I was like six months. I was good at it. But after a point, you're just like, well, I really need to come up with some, my, you know, my next passion project. Cause you need a passion. You need a motivation to get out of bed every day. So I was always passionate about maternal issues and, um, because I had postpartum anxiety and depression. And so, I, that's why I love working with all these baby companies because I only worked with clients that really had some kind of wellness component and a mental wellness component for mom and baby because that relationship is so intertwined. So I started really looking at the space and I didn't want to ever be a me too company. I always wanted to be an innovator and a category maker. And I just kind of realized that, you know, I've been massaging my son because he has anxiety also. Uh, and I started looking into it as a practice and how prevalent it is in the U.S. and versus the rest of the world. And I really discovered that there was a wide open space um, with baby massage as a market, as a category and as an educational 
piece that people were really missing and moms were missing out. And I really, I became a certified infant massage instructor and just became super passionate about spreading the word of all things baby massage. And I toyed with the idea of um, just doing online courses versus a product. But in the end, I decided that it really was important because one of the main uh, deterrents to baby massage was parents feared that they would not be able to uh, do it right. So I wanted to create a tool that would allow them to quickly start the practice. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So I'm going to back up a couple minutes. So you were, you had your, you did your own writing, but you wrote for quite a few really large brands like 17 magazine, Tommy Hilfiger, like there, uh, there's a media agency here. Like that is awesome. First of all. And what kind of books did you write? Um, well, my first book was everything after college book. And then I wrote books on young entrepreneurs. One book was uh, generation Inc, uh, how to start a business as a young entrepreneur. And I wrote celebrity biographies. I wrote wrote anything that I, and then my last book, I wrote a book about uh, young adults who moved back home with their parents. It was called boomerang nation. I was like on, you know, all the morning shows, all that fun stuff. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. I wrote a book out. I wrote the first, my last book was the first book about women's fear of commitment. It was called kiss and run. And that was voted one of the top feminist books, top 10 of all time, uh, by bustle magazine. So even though a few people bought it, um, (laughs) at least they read it. Someone read it. That's awesome. So when it comes to publishing, I'm just curious, you, have you ever self-published or have you always had a publisher? I haven't self-published because one, it's a lot of work to self-publish. I mean, and, and when I started writing books, it was a long time ago in back in 1999. So that, you know, self-publishing was not readily as available. I do have a book coming out next year with another publisher about baby massage. And again, I decided not to go the self-publishing route Mm -hmm. because just knowing the demands that I have on my time and the business, it's just so much work and, you know, heavy lifting that, um, I just decided that I just couldn't learn another field, but, and I found a really good publisher, Ben Bella books who are, um, you know, a small trade publisher, but very powerful in their term. And that's what I'm, I loved. I, my first publisher was a smaller publisher that became part of Simon and Schuster. And so I, I am kind of encourage people to really look at with the publishing scene out there and that, and then there's a lot of, you don't have to go through an agent. You can really pitch a lot of, there's a lot of good, smaller publishers that produce high quality work. And, um, it's just expensive to self-publish if you do it right. You know, it is, yeah. you have yeah. to produce and paginate and edit and, um, and then you have to market. So, and distribute. So, um, if you can, I really recommend, um, a, you know, Yeah, that's good. That's good to know. So it sounds like you are obviously you're a serial entrepreneur, but you have experienced all realms of building a startup from VC funding to bootstrapping yourself to um, a variety of components, right? So what would you say that your learning experience was with play plays the one where you got the VC funding, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
So that was interesting because it was at a time where VC money, it just looked like money was going to companies. I had a male partner and, um, and, you know, so he was in charge of raising money. And I felt like the VCs were just so like consumed with like the idea they for instance like the vcs they didn't even bother signing up for the subscription to see like like how the customer experience is gonna go like they were just like oh it's all about the sharing economy the sharing economy and they just loved the big buzzwords and um they you know of course they had to see traction but it's just this like it was this testosterone driven like world where people just like only wanted to hear what they want to hear. And Mm -hmm. and if you have a big enough position and like what you're doing and an idea, they'll just be so enamored with it. And everyone follows the leader, of course, you know, and that, and that goes with any type of funding and investing. Um, people just like, it takes one person to jump in and then everybody wants to jump in. So as a person who, you know, doesn't like to go through a lot of, uh, you know, um, courting, let's say courting, you know, ah, right. <laughs> That's what it's you a would, lot. It's um, dating. You know, it's a lot of dating people mm-hmm. that you would never talk to otherwise. Um, you know, it's just, it's a lot. So, it, and for me, it's just important that, um, you know, whoever I work with be completely aligned, be completely passionate, understand the size of the opportunity um, and, and really understand the mission. And I don't have to do a lot of like floral language around what I'm trying to do because I'm trying to educate parents and create a better society and connect parents and babies. And obviously that those are important. The most important things we can be doing is as teaching parents how to connect with their children at a time where you know, people are super distracted and disconnected. Um, and, you know, we see all the spectrum disorders and anxiety and all of that happening mm-hmm. because of depression, because we're all this, you know, my kids and I are sitting there on our phones, you know, we all do it like, and, and nobody's like, we're just, you know, um, they're teenagers now. So um, I was going to say, how many do you have? I have two boys and two one boys. And eleven. So huh. you know, um, so if you don't have that foundation from the beginning, it's really hard. Um, and so you know, if people don't, you know, I'm just like it's obvious what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make the world a better place. Um, it's a big uh, as a marketer in the space. I know the size of the category, and yeah, uh, and and I'm just excited to you know have. It's, I've always been a little bit like I think maybe like a year or two before the times. Um, so I'm just hoping the world catches up to the ideas I'm espousing um, because we're definitely as a culture much more aware of the importance of bonding and attachment parenting. And um, I think it's just a matter of time till parents, all parents understand the importance of baby massage because it is a science backed practice as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think as a founder with a marketing background and a writing background, that gives you a lot of, um, uh, that gives you a lot of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a, it's a bonus. Like that gives you a lot of powerful tools that you can use to leverage your current company. Well, that's how I, you know, that's how I, because I've been on a shoestring, uh, bootstrapping everything myself and it hasn't been a shoestring, you know, it's always a bigger investment than you think mm-hmm. it's going to be. Right. 
uh, kind of like contractors that oh, come yeah, in and fix your house. <laughs> double always. Yeah. We renovated the house nine, uh, two, three years ago, and it was a double, just like everything else. And so, I being that I have to do everything on a budget, I have to do my social media and really make sure that when I started my social media a year prior to uh, release, you know, shipping our product while we were prototyping and while we were um manufacturing so i really want because because for me it's all about creating a community on social um and really educating the public so i was able to grow to like 330,000 now i'm that's where i'm at now followers on instagram um and tiktok and so on and really have that kind of audience and and having that writing background knowing you know having that marketing background you kind of know how to position the brand and what to feature and highlight because some, you know, you're working without a product, but it doesn't mean you can't start marketing. Yeah. I think I was going to bring that up actually. And so I'm glad that you did. I think it's a great point that people can take away is yeah. that you started social media marketing way before your product and you started building that audience just through relevant, helpful content to educate. It sounds like I follow your channel now. Um, and it's extremely helpful. Like I forward it to um, some moms, some new moms. Um, but that is a huge lesson because a lot of people wait until they're ready. Yep. And then and be like beautiful and they have yeah, these like perfect. And like, and, and, and they, yeah, that is the lesson, right? For everything in life. Yeah. Like don't just start. Wait till, yeah. Don't yeah. wait. Till it's perfect or ready or just, just start where you are, you know? Yeah. So you yeah. started social media, basically educating, um, and, um, including relevant information just to grow or to connect with your audience and to grow that audience. And then you launched this massager. Now you have a few products, right? Yeah. So you have a massager and then what else do you have? Yeah. So this is the massager and this is like cute vibrating massager. And then we're just releasing our, um, oh my gosh, this is fun. We're just releasing our massage one onesie. So it teaches you how to massage uh, as instructional things. Ah. Oh, that's cool. And then we have our reflexology socks. So okay. it teaches you how to massage their feet by just with these socks. Ah. And then we have a massage oil we just started and call me cards, which are massage cards because some people love using the massager. Other people want to learn using their hands. And really my goal is uh, ultimately, obviously, I need to keep myself um, solvent and, you know, I need to make money. But at the same time, my, the ultimate goal is to educate. So I want to make sure there's a variety of products and offerings at different price points to help everyone understand that baby massage is super easy to start. And as long as you're consistent. Yeah. And I don't know of any other products out there. This didn't exist. I There wasn't a massager when I had a baby. That's for darn sure. But yeah. Uh, this is brand new to the market you're like the breakthrough trailblazer uh and i wouldn't even know where to begin to how to build a massager did you know going into this that you wanted to build an actual massager yeah so (laughs) 
when I start, I actually drew, you know, I drew it out on a piece of paper. It was like during the pandemic and my kids, it was the first month they were finally in camp because we had moved from our house on our boat. And we, I mean, the boat is like two bedrooms, but it's like 400 square feet. So um, but that was super fun because we were so bored at the house, you know, and then the being on the boat, you're, you're outside and it was our yeah. first and they were to, to camp. They were able to go to sailing camp. So that month I drew it out on a piece of paper and I had no idea about product development. And um, I drew it out and I worked with a, a design firm um, who, you know, in the hindsight, they were very, they're very good, but it was just expensive. And I ended up having to re, I mean, a lot of the designs that they, I, you know, I said, this is what I wanted to look like, but they came up with a lot of nice little features like the stand and designing the feet, which be became also massage nodes for the baby. Um, so, but, but in the end, I probably would have gone with like a freelancer because I had all, like, I, I had a really clear vision of what I wanted to produce. I really wanted a thin, um, neck because babies, they love to hold it and that soothes them. It's not just for massage. It's also a soother and a teether that they can put in their mouth. So I had a lot of ideas uh, what I wanted it to look like, but then when you're actually developing a product and you know, you can draw something, but it doesn't mean it's manufacturable. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to, so don't necessarily spend so much on your first iteration. Um, at, may have an idea of what you want to create, and then go to the factory and see how much that's going to cost to produce. Cause these, a lot of these on firms are working in a vacuum, you know, they, they're not working alongside the people who are actually manufacturing. manufacturing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it had to be completely redesigned, um, uh, like the size and the neck and, and the, and where the motor is. And then we had to change the quality of the battery because, um, I, you know, we, I wanted the highest quality battery, so I wouldn't have to, um, you know, have like six months later, it's still working. So right. it was super important for me it, being a, that this is a, um, I guess more of a high price item. Um, I don't think it's crazy. Not in this, you know, it's not crazy. It's, it's 79 for the unit. And then for the set, it's 119, but the economy has shifted so much and um we're seeing all the direct-to-consumer brands are just seeing this and i get calls daily like from founders like you know sales are down because people are just you know they're looking at necessities rather than um nice to have so even though i do think that baby massage is a must-have it's there's still you know it's still like a luxury mm -hmm. idea that people are toying with um so so yeah but it's really um if you have a premium product and you know we are hoping to move into a bigger big box next year um and so you have to make sure that your product can stand alone and 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 can work and function because in the end you know it's nice to have a pretty idea but you really have to think about the utility and functionality yeah so whenever you took that to the manufacturer would you say an engineer like what it had to be an engineer I that had their internal uh person kind of re like configure okay. it and um he, we played around with different positions for the motor uh because we wanted it to be the mo the vibration to be at the top you know because mm -hmm. sometimes just at the 
at the hand level. And you, you know, if you're massaging your baby, you can use this part, but we really you're using the top and you want to use the bottom. So we just mm -hmm. worked with them to make sure. And then I had to decide how many, the vibration levels, mm -hmm. um, that were acceptable for a baby. So I used, um, I used, a, a there was one percussor that was created. It was a medical device for babies because, um, the, also the, who had a cerebral palsy because they have a lot of fluid and other babies with a congestion. And so I followed the, um, the rhythm and the cycle pattern that they used, which was very, very light. Um, and so I want to make, I wanted to make sure there were three levels. So one is for each stage. Um, so you have zero to six, six to 12, and then up. Ah, yeah. That, yeah. I wouldn't have even thought about that, but that's very applicable. I mean, then it can, it can be used on any of those types of treatments yeah, can, or, yeah. Yeah, it can be used for babies uh, right out of the hospital, and then you can use them for older kids. I use it for my older kids, and a lot of parents use it for, you know, neck pain. Or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the face massage, um, you know, and, and also a lactation massager. So I really wanted it to have multiple, um, multi multifunctional because I, you know, I do know the parents are under a lot of stress, you know, when you're having a baby and financially. And so I also wanted it to be, you know, one completely safe. So we had to use, um, a very edible grade silicon. Everything had to pass safety testing because it is a new product that weren't, there's no, and we're not FDA medical approved pre medical product because we're not, um, we're not a medical device. So we, uh, went through all the testing, making sure that we were approved as a, you know, kids are holding it and teething yeah. with it. So it has to be approved to all of those things that you would never think about all these different things. Um, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure it was like every day you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess, oh, here's another thing, right? That's the thing. You should, you, that's really what I think being in business and life, right? Like, I mean, how many days lately have you gone through life and you're just like, oh, I didn't know that. And this is crazy and this is happening. And oh my yeah. gosh, you have to adjust and adapt, right? Right, right. So now um, the place that you have manufactured is it manufactured here or is it china because well, if you manufactured you know any ele consumer electronics in the u.s it would probably be like 10 times i was gonna say super yeah. expensive super. and then packaging so this is where i find this all i find the whole process mesmerizing because mm -hmm. we've had a lot of guests on that do like skincare products or um one did shoes like the just products in general right um bathing suits garments you know all the stuff but this is where i find it fascinating because whether you outsource the products and ship them in or and then they manufacture or they get them themselves right and then they utilize them but then from production to packaging and then shipment i get the shipment like you know everyone has their own way of doing that but packaging like you your product is packaged very very nicely it looks like a very um it's, it just looks polished right it looks like it's like a very high end product but not i don't think it's priced high end 
And so from a packaging standpoint, did you go out and get another packaging person? Do they, does the product get shipped to them? Do they like, how does all that work? I also like was like, oh, because I've always been on the marketing side and I didn't have to deal with any of the production issues, but I was actually unfortunate because what happened was, so after I left the other place and after they had the prototype design, I hooked up with my, who's now my operational partner. And he, um, he was the one with all the contacts and the sourcing, because if I had to actually find the factory, source yeah. it, talk to people in Chinese. Um, had, like there would be no business. Like I would have been like, sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna retire. And, um, oh, that's so funny. Oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, I, right. I, so your operational guy basically handled the packaging. Like, yeah. did you find so, another packaging place yeah. in China? Is that what happened? Yeah, so they have, well, well, some of it's packaged in the U.S., some of it's there, um, and, like, our uh, cards are produced, um, uh, where are they? These are, no, our oil, our oil, for instance, the organic oil, because it was so important to have organic oil, I had to make sure that was produced in the U.S., Um and so that was like non-negotiable. Um, and then we have like our onesie and that's organic too. Uh, but I was able to find, um, that in China. Um, but the packaging, I mean, for, I mean, we're talking about branding and, and the first yeah. thing I did before that's I even think like there's yeah. so much wrapped up into that, I think. Well, I, because as a marketer and brander and I was always consulting with companies and I really had a clear vision, like down to the color, I wanted everything. Like I wanted everything to be very like this kind of midnight blue and not to be uh gender specific and to be almost like an item that you would put in your house and that you would be able to look at it. It would bring you soothing and calm and, yeah. you know, it would be aesthetically pleasing. Um, so for me being a branding snob, which, you know, I am, uh, when I see people, I'm like, ah, no, it's such a great product. Like we have to change your branding. And, um, you know, I was, that was my first, first thing that I was working on for like three months to get that right. Um, and with designers and just making sure that everything looked right. Um, but then, uh, once you get the guidelines down and you know what the brand looks like, you can extrapolate and design other products, uh, you know, and that makes it a little easier, but I do, I love the design process. I do like that, you know, yeah. designing the products, designing this, uh, the socks, like, you know, I draw things out all the time. Um, and I'm just like, this is what I want it to look like. And I want the onesie to look like this. Um, so that's the creative side that I love. Yeah. Creating something tangible. Cause even like with books, like I really missed, like, I love books, writing books, because you at the end, you have something tangible, even though people are, you know, holding books, but I loved, I love print. I love, you know, just, I would take a, I would take a, I like holding my books versus reading electronically myself. Like, I don't know. I like yeah. tangible, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, I like also reference back. It drives me crazy when I, I love listening to audible books, but I yeah. want to like go back yeah. and take notes. right? <laughs> or like read that part again. And yeah. 
yeah, for me, it's always been, yeah, even though I don't read that much anymore, I'm an English major. So I love books. I love, you know, I love holding them. I like old books anyway. So, so I love the idea of having a product and, and someone who's always in publishing. And I would, then I was on the service side. I really missed having that tangible, like a production at the end and getting your product or your book, you know, to see it like in your hands. Yeah. It's, it's it's super satisfying in another level that sure. like, the digital world all day and being in my computer uh, you don't get that satisfaction usually yeah i i think it would be very accomplishing feeling hey fellow entrepreneurs ready to take your startup to the next level without the hiring headache meet carbon three recruiting your ultimate partner in building startup success they recruit so you don't have to whether you need c-level execs or entry-level champs they've got your back carbon three goes beyond recruitment they build employer branding deliver benchmarking and market analysis and offer outplacement services what sets them apart Long-lasting relationships, deep understanding of your business, meticulous market research, high quality, and more. Clients hire one out of every three of their candidates. They plan, create, and execute the perfect hiring strategy for your startup, connecting you with candidates who truly match your culture. Don't waste time on recruitment headaches. Let Carbon3 Recruiting find the right people for your startup. Visit Carbon3Recruiting.com and turn your startup goals into reality. Carbon3, your growth, their mission. Scale smarter with Carbon3 Recruiting, where startups thrive. Um, so what would you say your biggest obstacle has been during this process of Call Me? Yeah. So for me, it's the biggest obstacle I feel is like for every person who's bootstrapping is money and, you know, how much to put in, um, how much, uh, or should you raise and, and all those questions and, and just figuring that out. Um, and that's always stressful because that's a problem with tangible things. And, and like, so you mentioned self-publishing, it's a lot of, investment and and when you have a service business you know you're just sweat equity whereas this is both sweat equity and the tangible investment in terms of products and inventory and developmental fees and so on um and so that's been obviously the big challenge and also i just think um always really just the big challenges um overcoming the fear that no one was gonna like it like uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Because when you're starting something new and, and that, so every time a review comes in and pe people love it, like to me, that's just like the happiest I am. Like th that is my happy because I just, I tested it. And, but you know, there's nothing like a review from someone who went out, bought your product, loved it, recommended it to other moms and then left a review because that's really the biggest testament, um, and so, and when you're starting your product, until you really get that kind of feedback, it's very hard to figure out um, true feedback rather than, you know, um, 
someone you you know if you give them even a gift they're still biased um and they're still so um that was always the big worry and now that i feel like there's so much uh, validation and that's what i was trying to do with the first year i'm really ready to like hit the ground running in a bigger way uh, and we've had great you know press and all of that but so that was for me the biggest um you know customer service satisfaction um if anything is wrong my first goal is like just get them, you know, I make sure that every customer walks away feeling good. And, um, and that's been the biggest, you know, challenge also, because sometimes, you know, you have to make sure that, and, you know, I rather, you know, spend my own money to ship something to somebody because, you know, and then, then lose a customer or, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, just figuring all that out and then just figuring out the insecurity time when you don't know if people are going to love it as much as they do. You know, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. Also, babies, like the babies are the ultimate testers because if they don't love it, forget it. Like, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's true, right? Yeah. Uh, interesting. So what would you say your goal is? Because I feel like you're such a serial entrepreneur that it feels like you probably already have a few more ideas baked up that you're going to expand this company or do so. I mean, like you really have insight into this particular market. Yeah, no, I do have a lot of different products because my goal is ultimately to create, uh, products that help, um, that improve maternal health outcomes in terms of wellness and then also mental so mental health is so such a big component of i feel like in the adolescent stage in the tween stage and teens so i really want to make sure that i'm addressing every single stage so we have products that we're looking to launch for um you know for the three to seven year old set and then Mm -hmm. the tween set and then uh, and then also new products, bringing in sci- other scientific innovations. So from the past, I mean, there are so many different traditions in the past that um, that can be uh, re-engineered to fit into mm-hmm. a modern uh, conception. So I love combining East meets West and then also like past with technology and innovation and practices yeah. like that. So, um, I do have other ideas and products that are in the works. Um, and so raising money might be definitely a big part of that because we do need, you know, in order to scale up and from a production standpoint, especially if we're planning to go into big box next year. Um, but also I just, I just try to really focus on my main, um, objective and that's to help families find a calmer, more happier, uh, lifestyle and connect with one another. Mm-hmm. So as long as I kind of um, keep to those tenants yeah. and yeah, and um, keep plugging away. Yeah, keep plugging away. I feel like I'll end up somewhere. I'll end up in a good place. I think you will. I think you're already in a good place. Uh, so you're wanting to go in big box. Have you tried getting in the book? Do they have like minimum thresholds before they'll have conversations with you or something? Yeah, we're in talks right now. And so it's, it's a big, it's a big investment, uh, from the production side, inventory side. So so much inventory. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's always risks. So you want to mitigate your risks. You want to start smaller, less stores, but, um, you know, right now we're living in a post, like, um, I want to say post DTC world, um, because, you know, every single direct to consumer founder that I've talked to, 
you know, it's all about omni-channel. It's all about being, you have to have whole, it used to be when I launched my agency, you could literally run direct to consumer and you get all that great margin and you don't have to be anywhere else. And still you can do amazing because of iOS and everything else that's changed and the economy and so on. Uh, and also just the amount of direct to consumer companies that came in. Um, the, that's just not the case anymore. So you really have to diversify and be everywhere now. Um, yeah. So a lot of work. It is. It's a lot of work. And uh, yeah. And, and, you know, but I also think it's just important to pace yourself. And yeah, not- you don't have to do everything out of the gates, right? Like one thing at a time. I, I feel like founders get all hung up like we were talking earlier, where everything has to be perfect before they launch and can't start social media until we have blah, 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 right? Or launch this product. But then also you don't have to be everywhere. That's one common thread, I think, through um, some of the founders I've had on here with brands. Like you don't have to start all the gates at the targets or the the big box Um, retailers. You can start one avenue at a time, (laughs) you know, like, I know it's not like you got to enjoy the journey to get to the ultimate goal. Right. Um, and the small wins, where are you at now? Are you on Amazon or on, I know you have a website, but, uh, we just launched on Amazon. So, um, that, you know, but again, we're not really, we're just testing it out still. So, yeah, but we are at company.com and Amazon. Um, yeah. And, and on Instagram as get colony. Have you, um, have you ever thought about getting into like boutique, baby boutique stores? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's being hit hard too. Um, and it's a big effort. Some, you know, I used to work with a lot of brands that have a big boutique, uh, distribution and it's Mm -hmm. just, sometimes it it doesn't make sense just in the amount of, you know, uh, maintenance that that really big program like that requires. Um, but it's, we definitely have boutiques. We have spas that carry us. Um, so it's just been one off here and there. Um, but yeah, in order to really scale boutiques, which are really hurting right now, you need like a dedicated salesperson and so on. Yeah. I just wondered. Interesting. Okay. So people can find you on your website, which we're going to include, um, in all of our notes and all of our social and um, we'll include your, so your Instagram account too, which is great. Uh, and if you want us to include TikTok too, I don't, I'm not on TikTok much, but I'm happy to. Add. <laughs> uh, but um, one question, two questions. One is how can we help you? Oh, um, I, I guess I'm just, you know, raising awareness. Yeah, that's really the main goal. Okay. Yeah. And then second is, do you have a favorite mantra, mantra of the day, mantra of the month, or what's your mantra? I don't have a mantra. Uh, I mean, I have these car. Well, stay calm and massage. <laughs> that's really the <laughs> Okay. Stay calm. Just stay just calm. Tell yourself, stay calm. Just stay calm. Massage yourself. Yeah. Just, just try to stay calm. That's a mantra. The brands just stay, you know, keep calm and massage on. That's what the, uh, 
keep calm. Um, it's, you know, there, these are some crazy volatile times we live in. Um, and everything's changing so rapidly every day that um, you just have to learn to be fluid. And If you enjoy listening to our podcast, subscribe to our channel, The Wild Feather. If you want to learn more about our guests or their products and companies, you can visit our website at thewildfeatherpodcast.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter to receive info on our upcoming episodes. Follow us on social media to get the latest deets. We're on all of them, so pick your favorite and follow us. And if you're a founder and need funding or accelerator info or business resources, you can go to our website, thewildfeatherpodcast.com and find some valuable information and resources there. No matter if you're a founder, your investor, or what your path is, just remember you were born with wings. Wings.